welcome to the to today's podcast. It is an absolute pleasure for me to welcome a fellow ACAM sport member to our podcast, this time from the UK chapter, Summer Pratt. Hey guys, thank you so much for the opportunity. Delighted to be here. So I'm an MD at a company called Exeger, which is a reg tech consulting firm. Uh, I'm based in London and I've worked around the world, uh, though the bulk of my work is in the UK, uh, across Europe, uh, Middle East and Africa, so the EMEA region. Tell us a little bit more about your background, Summer, because when we first met, it would have been now, wow, three going on four years ago, uh, doing an ACAMS workshop, but you've got a, a real interesting mix of skills. Can you tell us a bit about that? Why, thank you. Uh, yeah, I'd be delighted to. So I specialize in uh, helping companies, uh, financial institutions primarily, improve their financial crime risk management capabilities. So, so what I do is help them keep their financial crime programs in line with changing regulations, new financial crime risk topologies, uh, and also help them to identify vulnerabilities in their programs and and help them design and implement solutions to address them. With all this crisis going on, we have seen from a different point of view, the regulators still maintaining a very high uh, expectation and obligation in order to really keep keep the ball rolling, so to speak, keep businesses as usual in this very unusual times. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think very surreal times, I think particularly in the last few days here in the UK, and I'll talk from a UK context, um, you know, the regulators have been very, very uh, supportive, as has the, the Bank of England. Um, and the government uh, announced just uh, overnight uh, new measures to protect uh, individuals, particularly those who are vulnerable. So uh, social distancing um, has been escalated now. A- and the impact on businesses is quite significant, quite dramatic, almost overnight. Uh, schools uh, are closed. Universities are closed. Uh, exams are postponed, shops, businesses, restaurants, gyms, hairdressers, all closed. But the regulators need to keep the lights on in terms of the financial system and the markets, but also key workers in financial services uh, who uh, firms have been asked to to be identified. And they are essentially still going to work and helping to keep the lights on. How is Exeger modifying its own practices? Because much of what you do really requires clear communication with your clients in terms of understanding their needs, you know, making sure that you, you keep the lights on and you can keep helping people. Yeah, so we we moved to a work from home policy globally about about two weeks ago. And I think being a reg tech firm, um, you know, luckily we've got the technology platforms to enable us to do that. So in all of our business lines, uh, our technology business, our due diligence business, our advisory business and our government services business, we are all working remotely. And um, the vast majority of our clients, that there are one or two exceptions that require on-site support, but can actually service and support remotely, which is fantastic because they still need a lot of support, a lot of help um, to meet their BAU demands. A new BAU. A new BAU, yes. Well, that is definitely. So tell us a little bit more on, are you using kind of, you said you're a company, we do know that. Are you using your own tools or are you heavily relying upon like Zoom, WebEx, uh, Microsoft Teams or whatever? What are, what kind of communication tools are you using at the moment? You know, it's it's client dependent when it comes to, to client servicing clients. So we have uh, some clients who use Skype and in fact, they use Skype They've used Skype for years and years, 
and and work on a remote basis. We're using WebEx Teams as well as Zoom. So all three of the above. And, and obviously the good old phone as well. So individuals who can't work uh, over the internet, we're just calling out over the phone. Tell me a little bit more in relation to your risk management experience. Can you apply it to the current, current situation? Because what I'm interested in trying to raise people's awareness about are the potential financial crime risks, which could be lurking or slowly building up over this time. I know we can communicate remotely, but my concern is always it gives a a false sense of security to people that everything can just go on as it would and there's no new risks to worry about. Yeah, and of course, that's not really true. Um, I mean, just um, just thinking about, you know, the various risk types out there, fraud uh, risk has, has, has obviously increased exponentially. I think uh, action fraud here in the UK has reported that fraud uh, losses have been incurred in excess of £800,000 in February alone. And reported cases of fraud linked to the coronavirus, I hasten to add, have gone up 400% in March. So uh, the the bad guys are taking the opportunity to exploit the fears of people uh, to make money. So uh, we can't take our eyes off the ball. Indeed, we cannot take the eyes off the ball because... Again, it's business as usual for us, and I would say it's business as usual for the criminals as well. I mean, we do know that they they try to exploit, as you said, the, the most uh, vulnerable people in the society at the moment. So staying vigilant is definitely something we need to be on top of. Um, so going back to, to your vast experience, the use of technology is definitely what we see in the future, and it's right here, of course. And the particular risks you see right now in, 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 in regards to technology, uh, we do know that some of the people do have problems working from home, old legacy systems, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, 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 it's a vast changing landscape. I'll loop back to um, another sort of uh, area of focus for the UK regulator here, which is operational resilience. And I think the, um, you know, what what's happened in the last week, and, you know, it's unprecedented, certainly in my 25 years of, of work experiences, the speed at which all industries, not just financial services, have had to respond to this, uh, this pandemic, and are moving to a work from home uh, model that is unprecedented. And, you know, little things like you know, have you have you made sure that your local router that you're using has been patched with the latest security? Cyber risk is 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 going to go up exponentially, and I think you know various authorities in the US and the UK have noted that phishing attempts have linked to the coronavirus have gone up, where individuals are sending emails to again feeding on people's fear to click on very unsafe links that will then download malware or will take them to unsafe sites where uh, the uh, the fraudsters can essentially steal very, very sensitive information, banking, login details, for example. So, yeah, this new working from home arrangement will expose industry, financial services and and others to, to those sorts of risks. They need to be alive to. I'm going to wind back a little bit in time, only because the Swedbank Clifford Chance report came out, as you know, yesterday, and it had some very, very interesting observations, as did the regulator's decision concerning the three lines of defense. Now, I know in other parts of your career, um, you were leading on topics such as audit. And one of the things Marie and I were talking about was, well, what are financial crime auditors going to have to think about going forward when it comes to looking at this period of time? 
especially in terms of how controls were applied or how things had to be modified. Just wonder if you you have any thoughts, if you were in their shoes, what things would you start to think about now in terms of your audit planning later in the year? Right. So that's that's a really good question. I think the I'll loop back to business continuity plans and operational resilience. So in the context of financial crime, auditors have to really understand how well firms have responded uh, in the last uh, two to three weeks with the massive migration of, of people working from home. And then also understanding the potential knock-on effect of available resources being reduced due to being sick. And you know what contingency arrangements have firms got to actually manage essential BAU tasks to keep the lights on, to keep you know financial services ticking along. Do firms know what regulatory requirements they aren't able to meet? Regulators around the world, but even in the UK, have said where you can't do things, document the reason why, uh, and also communicate in an open and transparent way with the regulators. And I think as audit functions. That's one question they should absolutely be asking. And then the usual suspects, right? When you have remote working, how are staff being supervised? How are they being oversighted? How can satisfy themselves that you know critical uh, financial crime processes are operating you know, to the same standards? And then finally, governance, issue escalation. How are those forms of communication being established to make sure that the board is aware of what's going on? So you were saying some uh, some that you were working from home. I'm just wondering, out of curiosity, are you sharing your office space, your new office space, with anybody else in the in your family, loved ones? No, I, I'm not. But they have a nasty habit of popping up behind me when I'm doing Zoom calls when I'm not expecting it. Particularly my ten year old daughter who is uh, being schooled at home at the moment. But no, it's uh, it's I'm lucky enough to have my own space. To, to actually work from. I just need to make sure that the background looks professional when I'm doing client calls. What do you do actually in order to stay sane? Oh, you know, it's boring things, family time. Um, I, I was talking to my team earlier this week and I actually generally love working from home, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting, a, I get cabin fever occasionally. So uh, it's, it's yoga, yoga, key thing, keeps me sane. What do you think's been the most interesting financial crime case you've heard about that's either been decided in 2020 or is is rumbling its way up in the courts or the regulators? What have you heard about? Most of them via your posts, actually, Sam. But but the one that uh, I find professionally very interesting is cases coming out of the Nordics, uh, in particular. I'm not just saying that because Marie's on the line, but you know, just recently you mentioned the Swedbank case. You know, they are in Europe. And uh, these things are coming out. I, I, I could never have uh, I could never have foreseen it, really, just given their historical uh, reputation. Banks said that they weren't exposed to money laundering issues, and boy, you know how wrong could they get? So, what what I'm interested there, why I'm interested there, is just that you know what kind of culture uh, could have led to that sort of corporate behaviour, and uh, the culture of compliance is something I'm very interested in. Well, I can give I can give you uh, um, my response to why we are so exposed in our region, and it's because we are a trusting culture. That's n- normally how we do business. It's it's all about trust. I, I think I come from the the audit school of trust but verify. 
So. Ah, yes. Well, I do think that, you know, that's, that's, that's a very good school. And I think that has also been now implemented in a, law, in a vast majority of the financial institutions here up in the Nordics. But uh, ultimately, and I do know that the chairman of the board from Swedbank uh, really said in one of the press conferences yesterday that uh, the bank has been suffering from a really bad culture um, within the bank. And that is unfortunate, but that's the truth. And ironically, Uh, Marie and I are going to be doing a podcast looking at some of the more detailed aspects of the Swedbank case and more in particular around the technology and implementation projects and how much they influenced uh, the adverse outcomes at the end. And so we're actually going to be applying some of your principles that you taught us several years ago when Marie, we did that IT audit workshop. So it should be really interesting uh, to hear how the outcome of that comes about. If you could find one positive, one silver lining on a cloud here that people can take away or start to think about from the current circumstances, what do you think that would be? I hadn't prepped an answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> anything, it. personal, financial crime, careers, anything. I think the uh, it, it's that old adage of, you know, we're kind of all in it together. I've seen so many little acts of kindness in my community at work, I'm speaking to my colleagues every day, multiple times a day. Um, I'm speaking to to people in my team more than I've ever done in in you know, the last six years of being at Exeter. So I think that's a great positive, and I hope that continues even when we go back to you know working in person. We have a saying up here in the Nordics: you keep your head cool, your heart warm, and your hands clean. And on that note, that concludes this podcast for captivated audience if you'd like to suggest some topics we can cover or if you'd even like to participate in one of our future podcasts feel free to reach out to us on linkedin thank you all for listening and stay safe there'll be some changes